This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show on a Monday. And you might be saying as we start hour two, wait a minute, this isn't Chuck. You're right, it's not. Take you behind the... Uh, kind of curtains here for a little bit as uh, some of you sometimes might notice it sounds just a little bit different and uh, that is that uh, you know Chuck uh, sometimes does the uh, show away from the studio and when you do the show away from the studio sometimes uh, some things can uh, go uh, just slightly awry but all things are good because we got the man back now Chuck as acid rain sunspots yeah that, you know what's it uh, solar flares sometimes hadn't that been a thing in the past Absolutely true. Uh, Dan, appreciate you bringing us back there. Uh, as you said, it is Monday on Chuck Oliver Show. And what are we talking? We're talking almost exclusively. We're talking uh, college football because that's what we do. We do have Kelly Quinlan coming up in just about 15 minutes or so. And as of right now, Georgia Tech doesn't have – they're not – there's – spring practice they're trying to get better uh the most important thing happening with georgia tech right now is they don't have a men's basketball coach i don't think but they may so uh, i'll start with are they hiring a basketball coach but then they've got spring practice going on and all kinds of getting better for brent key and a first time uh head coach like like anywhere um so that's that's what's ahead there um i was looking over the weekend at just some of the overall coaching, you know, the quote, the hot seats and the specifically, I was looking at year one uh, reviews for guys that like were hired a year ago. And that's what led me to the Mario Cristobal thing that I started the show with that if in, there's always great perspective, not just in here's here's one thing we get. And this would be what uh, three drafts later. So 20, 21, 22. This is when you get a reliable and fun version of, like, right now, over the next five, six weeks. You'll get a really, a series of really fun reads because it's usually three years or maybe five years. Let's go back and take another look at the 2000, in this case, 20 NFL draft. It was 2018 NFL draft. Three drafts or five drafts back. And sometimes it's a redraft. This play, uh, the Jets were at four. They took this player, should have drafted this guy. And it's from the perspective of knowing what we do now. You know what's even more fun? <laughs> Go back and look at the draft rankings from before the draft. You already know how it turns out. You don't need to see that Lamar Jackson is way, way, way better than anybody was predicting. What you can get, if you go back and it's a redraft or a re-ranking or we regrade and then Baltimore gets an A+. plus. I can tell you that going in before we even read it. Kansas City, when they got Patrick Mahomes at 11 or 12 or 13, wherever they took him, 
Guess what? They get an A+. Plus. I don't need someone to go, oh, yeah, they get an A+. Plus. The value in reading the in-the-moment opinions is you already have the outcome. You can see what an expert, commentators who get paid to do that, what they thought in the moment. And so, all right, if this was expected and it's not that, where's the disconnect? Was he overhyped or has he underperformed? You know, who was in error, the the messenger or the actual product that the coach put out there? So I was going back and looking at like a year ago and two year ago, two years ago, the hires in college football and in the moment what was expected. Because we know how it's turning out. I mean, my gosh. Florida, when they hired Billy Napier, it wasn't supposed to be like Mario Cristobal. That's where I started the show with. Like, you're one year, where was it supposed to be? Don't go look at, we grade the first-year hires. You know how to grade Mario Cristobal as first-year hire. Go back and see what college football, me, Barrett Salee, whomever, Russ Mitchell, thought about Mario Cristobal as the head coach. And say, all right, well, if this was expected, where's the disconnect? Well, disconnect's him. He didn't perform last year, and if he hired incorrectly, and then he had injuries and all that. So he taught Mario Cristobal in a program that made a change, and they're looking around going, and here's the thing. I said, they had five games last year where they gave up more than 40 points. They did that the entire time Manny was there. Say what you will. I'm not advocating for, you know, lowering standards. Because there's no opinion there. I'm just telling you what the production was. I said the same thing. Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins. What a disaster. While acknowledging when they had Paul Johnson as the head coach, there was like, it looked like a hard ceiling with that, like a hard ceiling with that program. But looked like pretty high floor. You get into the different mentalities of what is good enough for a program, for a football program. And while there is some movement in the tiers from we're a good enough program to we're a great program to we're a national championship program, there's some fluidity as you go from like a six-win program to an eight-win program to maybe a nine, there's yeah, you can do that. In individual seasons, I'm throwing it. I'm saying like where you live, there is some fluidness to that. Not a whole lot. Georgia has gone from the really good program into the national championship level program. Clemson has just fallen. I'd say there's some, but not a whole lot of fluidity there. And I think Georgia has actually become the best example of good enough ain't good enough. I will add a word of caution to that. But they are the best example of good enough ain't good enough. Georgia fired a very successful head coach, Mark Rick. Georgia fired a very successful head coach who had averaged, I think it was 9.7 wins per year. 9.8 in the SEC for a decade and a half. You average 10 wins a season in the SEC, decade and a half? Okay. 
That's not nothing. That's why he was there a decade and a half. Georgia fired a very successful head coach and got better. Better to the point that I say Kirby, I believe, is nine months from being labeled as one of the all-time college coaching greats before he's eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame. Kirby Smart is going to be – I think they win a third national championship this season. If, and I made – that is a meandering – by the way, that's under the heading of it's March 13th, folks. Who do you think? Say Utah. I don't care. Texas Tech. Whatever you want. It's March 13th. I think Georgia. Which means nine months from now, you're going to be looking at Georgia going, oh, wow, that's three straight. Hadn't happened in 90 years. When that happens, all of the the conversation ain't four straight. The conversation is, where does Kirby rank in the top three, four, five of all time? He's not eligible for the Hall of Fame yet because he hasn't been a head coach long enough. So, yeah, let's do what Georgia did and whack a head coach that wins at a high level consistently and would almost certainly never do anything to smear the program's good name. Let's whack that. He's gone. Uh, No, don't do that, in fact. What I would say, this is all caps, really examine what your program is capable of, the ceiling. Really have a grasp of where is the fluidity for us? How high can we really get? Because here's the truth. If you're Mississippi State, you can never reach the level of Alabama. Not possible. Really take inventory of what your program is capable of. If you're Wake Forest, you can't be Clemson or Florida State. Not going to happen no matter what you do. Purdue, you can't be Ohio State. Now, there's a lot that can be. And when I say there's fluidity to it, Arizona and Arizona State, I don't know what your issue has been. Now, I will take that back. I either not focused enough leadership or it hasn't been a – you prioritized maybe the chemistry department instead of the football program. I don't, do what you do. It's your school. I'm going to just give a fact. You joined the Pac-8, I believe, in 1978. It was the first season. It's 45 years ago. Arizona, you've never been to a Rose Bowl. Arizona State – I think you've – have you tied for a Pac-10 championship? Jeff Van Raphorst, maybe? Jake Plummer? Something. A little bit of success there, but eh, four and a half decades? If if you're Arizona and Arizona State, I'll throw you in too. When I say really examine what your program is capable of, the ceiling of your program – and there's fluidity. Do you know how I bring those programs? First of all, tremendous under biggest underachievers in major college football the past 45 years. Those two programs. When I say there's fluidity, you're like, well, Chuck, if it hadn't worked for four and a half days, I don't know anything. And I'll tell you, I don't know anything that didn't work for four and a half decades suddenly started working. So what are you talking about? There's fluidity with them. Now, this is an extreme case, but I'm saying it can't happen. USC, UCLA just left. So, Pac-12, yeah, it just got fluid. So, 
Sometimes that can happen. Most times, uh, it's a really unusual outcome. So maybe Nebraska don't declare it's the end of the day with Frank Solich. Maybe don't do it again with Bo Pelini. Of all people, I never imagined I'd be repping for, but it certainly fits. Maybe Marshall. Marshall. (laughs) If you have a head coach win 68 games in eight years, and you're in Conference USA, so you can't really schedule as many dubs as the Monster League. See, you're who they schedule to get dubs. So maybe you don't fire that guy. Maybe not two weeks after your coach is named Conference Coach of the Year, maybe you don't fire him. Maybe Maryland don't fire Ralph Regan when the Maryland grad and Maryland varsity letterman, as Maryland head coach, he leads the program to a nine-win season, is named ACC Coach of the Year. Maybe don't fire him 11 days later because – do y'all remember this? Maybe when the guy who used to play there and has led you to the Orange Bowl and now multiple ACC titles and he's conference coach of the year, maybe you don't fire him 11 days after he wins ACC coach of the year again because you're angry James Franklin left for Vanderbilt. All right? That seriously, that's part of what happened there. That's part. Maybe you don't do that. Ralph Regan, he went and he's like, I'm burning, I'm going home, I'm burning my Maryland diploma. I don't know if he did or not. Uh, he said, I'm b- going to burn my diploma. That Maybe you don't do that. Take real inventory and then get aggressive. Like, be aggressively prideful with your program. And I'm saying, like, push the envelope. See what you really can be. But understand, if you're Maryland, winning nine or ten games and having your head coach named the best in the conference, that's probably as high as Cotton's going to get. To the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Nine states, 58 sticks. Thank y'all for the blessing. We talk Chuck college football, do it year round on Chuck Oliver Show. With a little bit of college hoops mixed in just for a minute today uh, as we roll through this Monday. And I mentioned college basketball. Uh, you know what doesn't happen in college football like virtually ever, especially with major like heritage programs? Like Alabama and Ohio State, they don't like have coaching hires out of complete nowhere, guys that you have never heard of, no connection to the program. Just, like Jerry Faust, if you know if you ever heard the name Jerry Faust, he was a high school coach in Ohio that in nineteen eighty one Notre Dame Notre Dame hired a high school coach. That doesn't happen. Just it does. It happens all the time in college basketball. It happens. Everybody. It happens nonstop. Um, Billy Donovan as head coach at Marshall in Florida is like, all right, uh, that was a nice twelve months. We'll take it. Shaka Smart at VCU. Texas is like, we'll take you. So college basketball head coaches get hired all the time without necessarily being on anyone's radar except the athletic department or whoever the hiring guy is. Want to welcome on right now, uh, jacketsonline.com is his digital purview. It is Kelly Quinlan. Kelly, how are you today? I'm good, Chuck. How are you doing? 
done okay in college basketball. You don't have to go out and hire a big name. In fact, most times big programs, they they, they go far and wide. Uh, Georgia Tech does not have a head coach right now. Where are they looking? Well, uh, it sounds like it's going to be Damon Stoudemire, um, the former Arizona Wildcat star, former assistant of Josh Fasteners at Memphis um, in the irony department, and uh, a current uh, Boston Celtics assistant. He's been kind of a guy that's been linked to several NBA jobs, possible as a head coach. And uh, apparently things escalated really quickly. The, uh, Jay Bath, the AD at Georgia Tech, met with him over the weekend when the Seas were in town playing the Hawks. And and it sounds like a deal's coming, barring any hiccup today. So that would be good for Georgia Tech to avoid or to at least be able to tackle kids wanting to go in the transfer portal and to get a jump start on that and not have to wait on, say, Pat Kelsey or Bob Ritchie, two of the coaches who are in the mix from Furman and uh, College of Charleston, who are in the NCAA tournament right now. So you'd have to wait a full, at least till probably Friday or Saturday, if they get eliminated. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things with basketball, Chuck. They will just hire literally, like, you know, a high school coach, like you said, a guy who's an assistant in the NBA or whatever, and – Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. But this is a really interesting hire if that's the way this really goes down. And more than anything, it is creative, and there's a new sheriff in town because now you hire the new head coach and you're going to hire a new basketball coach at some point now because Josh Passioner got fired last week. Uh, so that's that. Let's go on the field, spring practice, Brent Key. Um, and I just want to add, like, Haynes King, that's where it all has to start and a better start. He needs to be this quarterback, I believe. Um, guys like that don't go to Georgia Tech. What's the blue sky there? Because he was, it was a really, really like negative overall experience for him. Um, I'll say not because of, but with Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like he was lost. I watched several of his games too with him before I knew he was coming to Georgia Tech or anything. And uh, it was, you know, their offense was really difficult to watch. And he struggled, and the offense struggled as a whole. And he's coming in from square one. He's, You know, right now, he's got to beat out Zach Pyron. Zach Pyron was out there today slinging it around like a Chris veteran quarterback in the NFL. Right? So he's got a lot of work to do. He's got to learn the offense, learn kind of what they're doing. Buster, I'm sure, adapted. Buster Faulkner, the new offensive coordinator, came up from Georgia. I'm sure he's adapted what Georgia Tech was doing to his nomenclature. And so it seemed like the two Zach, Zach Byron and Zach Gibson, were a little bit ahead of him today. You know, you know, they're just throwing for the first day. But, yeah, they need Haynes King to push. They need that Zach Pyron Haynes King battle to push one of those dudes to be a, a top ACC quarterback. And that's going to be the thing that makes a difference. Uh, whether Brent Key's successful right out of the gate. If they get a good quarterback play, they got a chance, um, you know, with the, especially with the way the schedule lays out. So, yeah, it's, I'm pretty really curious about Haynes. He had some injury things when he came in here uh, to Georgia Tech. So, uh, you know, how does that work? You know, can he stay healthy? How does he can handle the competition piece of it? A lot of unknowns there, but I wouldn't count Zach Pyron out either. Boy, the athleticism in the blue sky of Haynes King is so enticing. Um, all right, so it looks like Georgia Tech may have a first-round draft pick at defensive end. That's not nothing. Uh, talk specifically about that that group, DN, edge, whatever, because um, if you don't hit the quarterback, you ain't going to win. So, you know, it's interesting. Last year they had good production from 
you know, obviously Keon White, that's going to be the first-round pick likely in the NFL draft. And your defensive tackle position, they had good, good production. And that rush end spot on the other side was – like had two and a half sacks or something like that. It was not what you expect. So that that's the group that Marco Coleman, the, the once again defensive line coach at Georgia Tech, has to tackle. I think that you know they need production from that end group. The D tackles will get production. Sylvain Yandigen will replace Keon probably. He was very effective as well. I think he had four sacks last year for the Jackets. Um, you know, playing behind Keon White, and, and the two of them were really effective. They just need something from that other defensive end position. Those kids are all older now. You have Kyle Kennard, Noah Collins, you know, both with three years of playing experience under the belt. This is when you start to see that turn happen. Oh, this will be their third year. You start should start to see that turn to where they're being productive. And if they get that, I think your defense will be in decent shape. But it really comes down to particularly those two guys have got to get to the quarterback. Last thing, and we got about a minute, so you can talk a little bit. Charlie Thomas, man, he would hit anything that moves. Uh, wasn't the biggest kid in the world. It got ejected a couple of times, I think, if I'm remembering. Uh, who can beat Charlie yes. Thomas this year? So, you know, that's that's the big question here. Braylon Oliver and, and um, Andre White were brought in via the transfer, one from Minnesota, one from Texas A&M. They have to place him and A.C. Ely, the two linebackers that were their – Basically, they're placing their three of their four best defensive players now. So, you know, when you look at all of it, I think Oliver's got a shot there. Tranios Tatum, who's a guy who's played a lot, has a shot. Tyson Miguez is kind of a wild card kid. He's been hurt his first couple of years, was a really big high-profile recruit out of high school. Can he do it? The thing that would, that's the hardest replace with Charlie, though, is he was so good in space and, and would erase mistakes with his you know ability to tackle in the open field. Yeah, I mean, he walked in the room. The fish stopped swimming. I mean, it was just, it was just a constant thump, man. He what was was he two ten? If that man, I mean, he was beginning of the season. Yeah, maybe at the beginning of the year. All right, Kelly, uh, appreciate you as always, man. Thanks for the input. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, Charlie Thomas, man. He was probably, I was, he's probably two ten at the beginning of the year, and then you start running around smacking folks like that, and I. He was not a dirty player, but I'm saying I want to say like twice maybe did he miss half a game with a targeting or objection or whatever it was. Um, this is a really good player, really, really legit tough guy at the ACC level. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. So Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com.
Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Hour two on this Monday and this Thursday. Specifically this Thursday morning, I'm going to say I will roll into Harris Cherokee about 9 a.m. And I will be at the Caesar Sportsbook window about 9.05. I've got three plays I'm going to make. And they're all win bets. They're all win the tournament bets, tickets. Um, I'm making three bets. One will be for, and they're all individual teams to win the tournament. Uh, I'm going to bet one team for $100. I'm at two tickets for 200 apiece, and I've got some checklists and some requirements and some non-negotiables mostly. <laughs> but before I do any of that Thursday morning, I want to bring on, I'm going to call him an expert in the game. Now, when it comes to football and hockey and baseball and a lot of other sports, he's college basketball, man, he's about as good as you're going to find out there. I want to welcome on right now from Doc Sports Service, D-O-C Sport, uh, S Sports Service, uh, Doc Sports Service from uh, Wisconsin, been there for over 50 years, family-owned, same address, same folks. Want to welcome on Robert Ferengo. Robert, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Chuck. How are you? Uh, doing good. You ready for a little March Madness? I'm sure it is a busy time of year. Are you grinding right now, or are your numbers already done? Yeah, no. It's still still the grind over these next three days. There's a lot of like situational against the spread systems that I like to use. Um, I try not to listen to too much noise. It's like the less information, the better this, yep. this time of year because you just don't want people swaying your opinion. Just kind of trust your instincts and trust the numbers. And that's kind of one of the opinions I would give out to your to your listeners. Look, if you don't know much about college basketball, then absolutely do your research. Find a few experts that you trust and lean on their opinions. But if you've been betting on this stuff for the last three or four months and you have a good idea of who's who and what's what, then this time inf- this time of the year, information overload can definitely be uh, detrimental to your bankroll. All right. So, again, Robert Fringo. We have him on during college football season all the time. But uh, Robert Fringo of Doc Sports Service. Again, D-O-C, DocSports.com. It's D-O-C Sports. Dot com. All right, Robert. So uh, I am not a I'm not, you know, king of college basketball. It's King CFB. Um, and so <laughs> I know just enough to walk to a window and I'm going to put a total of five hundred dollars at the window. Now, I, we could go anywhere in any direction. I'm going to ask you about three teams. and I'm going to tell you my strategy. Uh, here is my I'm not a pro. I just watch college hoops and maybe I know something. My three keys to picking the March Madness champion. I like a team with upperclassmen guards, and I mean a lot of them, like at least one more upperclassman ball handler off the bench. Uh, in parenthesis, that's the opposite of having a bunch of freshman guards in March. Uh, my second one is I like a second legit paint monster, like a second big body that can at least come off the bench, just a physical presence because fouls and stuff happen, and you just want like five minutes sometimes. The only other fact, free throw percentage as a team. Because if you don't hit your free throws or if you do, that's a big – I want to tell – first of all, those three, what do you think of those as factors to pick your champion for March Madness? 100%. Experience guards is the – and experience in general, particularly NCAA tournament experience, is the number one factor. It's, it's all about guard play. I like how you talk about depth 
in with the big men. Free throws is important, but I would tie that into just kind of sloppy play in general. Free throws and turnovers, okay? You don't want teams that have been able to coast on talent through the regular season that have gotten away with poor free throw percentage and not taking care of the ball, turnovers per game, uh, fouls per game, stuff like that, because the margins are so tight in the NCAA tournament. Free, throws are, free throw percentage on its own is not as important because with the shortened shot clock, games just aren't decided the way that they were 10 or 15 years ago, where that last 60 seconds was about foul, Get two on the other end. Yeah. I'll get two on the other yeah. end, that, that type of stuff. But you're on the right track. All right. So those are, And like I said, this is why we have Robert on. All right. So those are the three that I looked at, and I started, and this is the depth of my information. I went online last night, found a capsule preview for all 68 teams, started rating. Um, my $100 play, what I had in mind was I wanted to make a $100 play on like some legit chalk, like a guy, a team that really has a solid shot, basically to cover my chance bets because I'm going to take two, two hundred dollars <laughs> sort of chance bets. My hundred dollar bet, you just said it, experience. I think this is Houston's most experienced crew of all of Kelvin Sampson's. They're plus six hundred, I think. What number do you have for the Houston Cougars? That's yeah, my hundred dollar play. What do you think? That's what I'm seeing around plus 600, plus 700. I'm going to let you get all this out before I, before I let you know what I really okay. think. But go ahead. All right. My, my first $200 like chance bet, now again, upperclassmen guards, at least one off, all of that stuff. I said UConn plus 1,500, and then nice. Duke plus I think is 2,000 right now. $200 mm-hmm. win tickets on each of those, 100 on Houston to at least cover my, my losses on that and give me a little something. Yeah, I, I I like your two sleeper picks. One of the things that drove me most insane about the brackets is that Duke and Oral Roberts are playing one another because those are two teams that before the you know before the bracket was announced, I'm like I'm betting on Duke no matter who they play, and I'm betting on Oral Roberts no matter who they play, and naturally they get they get thrown up against one another. But okay, here's the flaw in your system. All it. right. And I'm not an enemy of fun. You know, sometimes I come, I come on and you have fun schemes and I try and shoot them down with oh, my no, hang on. professionalism. Like, for Robert, me, winning is fun, right? Absolutely. Yeah, let me, let me give the disclaimer here. Robert's people don't call Robert and say, hey, Robert, I'm in the mood for some fun. Um, so you give just strict analysis to me. And you're right. I'm going to Harris to have tickets that I can put in the push pin, the push pin on the cordboard and hopefully for two weeks get some excitement out of. But I also would like to win. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. Don't do that. Don't bet on futures to win the NCAA tournament. And here's the number one reason why. You are basically betting, even with Houston, you are making a six-team parlay. That's basically what you're doing, right? They have to win six games. And this is like what we talk about with college football, about betting on the team to win the national championship. The standard payout on a six-game parlay, like if you were doing an NBA parlay today, right, is – 47 to 1 is plus 4,700, okay? On Houston, you are making a six-team parlay that even if it wins, even if Houston does, you know, finally cut one down, it's paying 6 to 1. And even I like your long shots bet. Like, Connecticut is a team that very much could make a Final Four. They're still only paying out, what, 15, 20 to 1? You're getting less than half of the value that you would be getting. Take that $500, put it on two or three games or even one game that you like on Thursday, win that, put that 500 back in your pocket, and then take your winnings and bet some games 
the rest of the weekend. That's that's how I would do it. But you got to remember, betting on teams to win the national championship right now, you're basically making a six-game parlay. This is how the sports books make their money by wow. not giving you equivalent odds. Wow. 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 That's exactly that. You're, you're exactly right about that. And, you know, we'd always talked about different ways to get the same. We talked about like at the Super Bowl, um, that if you're going to bet a team to win, bet the starting quarterback is the MVP. Um, you know, right. you may have a chance to steal some of the odds there. Uh, all right. So go to what you may like as a pick, whether it's a sleeper or uh, uh-uh, ain't no sleeper. This is ch- Purdue's got a seven foot four guy. They're going to win. Um, give me either a sleeper or chalk if you want to stick to a region that maybe you think you really have a beat on. Okay. I think Gonzaga is very much undervalued and underrated right now. And looking at, their, you know, we've heard so much about them in the last few years, and they've been such a disappointment because they haven't been able to win that national championship. This is a team that was top five coming into the coming into the season. They have legitimate talent, one of the best coaches, lots of NCAA tournament experience. And they're only a three seed, okay? They don't have that pressure now of being the number one overall seed. The two seed in that bracket is UCLA, who just lost the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, their lone big man, Jalen Clark. And we saw what Arizona was kind of able to do for them. So things are set up very, very well for kind of a Gonzaga-Kansas clash. They beat Kansas. I think they're going to be one of the favorites going into the going into the final four. So I like the value there. I like what you said about Connecticut. They started fourteen and zero. They have some upperclassmen. I like their coaching staff. You know, you go back to Duke. Look, if you want to pick a national champion, you had your three factors that you were looking at, right? Sometimes it can be much much simpler than that. Go to the team that has the most future NBA players on it. All right, Alabama, Duke, Kansas. They got to be at the top of the list. Find the team with the NBA talent, yep. and those are the guys that are probably going to win the NCAA tournament. Now, it doesn't always work that way, but it's a pretty good guide, I think. Wrapping up, Robert Faringo, uh, Doc Sports Service. Again, DOCSports.com. That am the website. I want to read you quickly. I was texting with a buddy of mine that um, actually he covers Tennessee. Uh, I won't give you any more names, uh, but I texted him. I was like, because I was looking for physically imposing. And you've watched the mm-hmm. Tennessee Vols this year. I mean, that looks like an NBA line. I mean, big, broad-shouldered, physical guys. I texted him. I said, can Tennessee win the tournament? And I was looking for some insight. He wrote back, no, zero energy, too slow, all half court. That don't win in 2023. Yep. Do you have an opinion? Because Tennessee looks great. They did, but losing uh, Zakai Ziegler killed them. They might not even survive their opening round. Uh, that Louisville, or excuse me, that Louisiana team that they play. They oh, absolutely. Score. They can yeah. score, and they are not afraid of anyone. This is this is their shot right here. Um, another team to look out for if you're looking for a, like a shock upset or just an underdog to like is watch Colgate against Texas, man. I'm telling you, I saw that Colgate team beat Syracuse earlier in the year. They have some dudes that can stroke it. And if they get hot from the outside, Texas is in a prime letdown situation after beating Kansas in the Big 12 championship. I think Colgate could sneak up on them. And that's another tip, okay? Look for for teams that won their conference tournament last year to have a little bit of a letdown, okay? A team like Purdue got way up high in winning that conference tournament. They might struggle in the early rounds. Uh, A team like, like Texas, as I mentioned. Also, look at the time of the day that some of these teams are playing. Like, I think Kansas has an early game. Arizona. Arizona has a 1 o'clock tip-off. They just beat UCLA, just won the Pac-12 championship. They were cutting down the nets a few days ago. And I think on Thursday, they got to play 1 a.m. local time. 
They may come out a little bit slow. Look at those West Coast teams that have to travel to Albany and vice versa, teams that have to travel uh, across the country. All these little things add up in these early rounds. Now, later, later down the road, talent wins out, right? But if you're looking for reasons for a team to maybe get upset or maybe just not cover an inflated spread, those are some things to consider. I would bet at one point you've been involved in a basketball game in Albany. That is just a guess on my part. <laughs> Robert yes, Ferengo, tell everybody, uh, give them something free if they call. Yeah, just go to DOCSports.com. Say that you uh, heard me rapping here, and we'll set you up with a free week's worth of picks, including my NCAA tournament game of the year. Uh, and if you want a free play early on, I like Pittsburgh to beat Mississippi State in the play-in game. You will get great insight and analysis i think it was either maybe it was last year maybe it was two years ago whenever we had you on the day the tournament was starting and i asked you about uh i love ohio state purdue they're steeled through that big 10 you're like no they're all beaten up through the big 10 chuck go the other way um and so that's kind of what you get man so uh rob i always appreciate you making time brother thanks for coming on anytime good luck robert Ferringo, doc sports service so we're gonna take a break and come back wrap up on the monday next More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Really aggressive, oftentimes doing two-a-days in the building the majority of the day. and Just really a professional approach. Very self-aware. Uh, there's some experience there. I think the guy's a really good communicator, and he's got a great grasp of what's happening out there. That's Billy Napier. And he is talking about Graham Mertz, the quarterback that is his quarterback for the coming season. He inherited he, – I was going to say he inherited Anthony Richardson. He inherited some weirdness. And some of it is attached to at least him or his tenure. But – if you look back at, like, he shows up and Anthony Richardson's there and Emory Jones is not, and so that kind of resolves things, and Anthony Richardson was always going to be the quarterback anyway, and after spring, you knew it. You knew it, you know it, you know it. So Anthony Richardson is, he's there when you show up. And good for you, gave you an opportunity to make some plays, some big plays and win ball games. He's gone after making some plays and being tantalizing and interesting and whatever else, but he's gone. Jalen Kitna. Mm, he's no longer part of the program. And by the way, that what I'm describing, none of this is like regular, a quarterback who has as wildly an inconsistent experience in such a limited amount of time as Anthony Richardson He's not supposed to leave, especially when Billy Napier's your head coach. Like, hey, wait a minute, that may benefit me. No, it doesn't matter. He may go first overall. I don't think he makes it out of the top five or six. I don't think. That's, that's just, I don't say it's weird. That's weird. That doesn't happen. Jalen Kidna, I see kids, kids get dismissed from their college football team with some sort of regularity. Not like that. Marcus Stokes. Do y'all know Marcus Stokes? Marcus Stokes was a Florida quarterback commit and 
he was four-star quarterback, and I'm not—I don't have it. I should have looked. I, I, it's not important. It's top twenty or top twenty-five, maybe quarterback nationally. Understand? What, okay, four-star, top twenty-five, nationally ranked high school quarterback from a Florida high school. And oh, no, wait a minute—he played in Montana. What is that? No, he played in Florida. Was committed to UF. I don't know if he's committed anywhere now because he put out either a TikTok or an Instagram or a Twitter or something video of him just singing along to whatever music he had in. And I will say when the N-word comes tumbling out your mouth and you happen to not be black yourself, then (laughs) you got some explaining to do. And I will listen to your explanation. I will. But... He, you have some explaining to do. Well, he posts a video of himself, and he's got whatever cassette in, and he has, he's, you know, bass is pumping, and he's just rolling along with the lyrics, and it's I just M-bomb this, and, M- and so Florida's like, we'll do something else with our scholarship. I don't know where or if he's landed. Jaden Rashada, really? Like, if you're Billy Napier – you're looking around going, I'm I'm done with the weirdness. I want my quarterback experience to be just – you're not responsible for any of this, really. Jaden Rashada, that's not on you. Marcus Stokes, that's not on him. He's a high school kid. He wasn't even there. Jalen Kitna, that really has nothing to do with you. Anthony Richardson, well, I mean, you could have done something to keep him, but boy, did Anthony Richardson, the non-adult in the room, made the right choice. That's your quarter – so when he says – Graham Mertz, can't watch. Oh, just love it. Looking forward to a little bit of leadership and stability and buoyancy. He's, he's, that's all he wants. This is year two. It's like Mario Cristobal and he both last year. You look at back at the 2022 season and go, what was that? I don't know. Dan, how's your Monday? Got to actually take us back to, uh, Hour one of the uh, show today when you were talking about a traditional college football power whose offense, maybe they have promised us a return this year. And I thought you were going to go another ACC program. I thought you were going to go to Clemson because normally, as I've told you, told you before, some of my topics are just as simply as, hmm, yeah, you know what? That'd be something interesting to talk about on my drive into work. But this one actually came to me while brushing my teeth. And it is with Clemson. It is. Are we necessarily even sure that they're going to get back to what they have been? Because what they did was incredibly impressive. I don't think anybody can doubt that. I just look at a lot of what is happening with Dabo Sweeney's program to probably not as severe a complete drop-off as we saw from Texas from 2009 to 2010 because the 2010 season and on, which, by the way, that year they didn't make a bowl game, and really ever since then, their best season has been a couple of years ago when they won the Sugar Bowl and finished the year with 10 wins. That was still a four-loss season, so a lot of people would say pedestrian at best. But the problem was is they were not starting they, they were not getting the same recruiting wins that they had from that five year stretch from two thousand four to two thousand nine. I think that's something that's happening there at Clemson. There's a reason why Garrett Riley is there, because for the most part, Dabo Sweeney has said for the longest time, I like my guys in my program. As a matter of fact, I like my guys so much in my program, I'm going to promote from within and give them the opportunity because for the most part, he hadn't had to worry about anything other than having coaching continuity is every single year. There were the rumors of first Jeff Scott. Well, he was the first one to jump, but then after that, 
Tony Elliott and Brent Venables, and it was always the same thing. Nope, like it here. In the case of Venables, I've got a son that's coming to play there. I want to be able to coach him. I want to be able to do all those different types of things. And it took really kind of once-in-a-lifetime opportunities for them to get it, and that's when Dabo had to precipitate change. I think that he has to precipitate change even further because I have praised him before for his measured approach to recruiting. But the problem is, Chuck, is he is simply losing the numbers battle to Georgia, to Alabama, to Ohio State, Florida State, whoever it is out there, maybe not as much Florida State, you know, if if on the, the transfer portal, probably that one. But you get my point is that the sheer numbers of these recruiting classes are what are making the difference because you have a lot of coaches out there especially in the age of the transfer portal who are saying, just give me the numbers, man. I'll get, I'll get the guys in and I'll have some stay. A lot of them will leave. That's fine. That's what I have to deal with now. I just don't know if Dabo's ready to live that life. And I think until he is, I don't think we're going to be seeing Clemson as part of the college football playoff discussion in the next few years. Being pretty good. That's a creep, isn't it? That's a slow creep that kind of just sees like a inch at a time and just sort of creeps into your program slowly. And you're like, well, that's okay. Well, no, that's not how it used to be, but it's fine. And it probably is fine. But then you look around like a bunch of this has happened. And you're not winning national championships or going to the playoffs or winning your conference. You're winning nine games or ten games and going, hey, we won ten. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. I wonder what Clemson is. You're right. Dan, David, everybody, the guests, me, you, hope we all had a great time. 22 hours from now, be right back here with more college football conversation on The Chuck Oliver Show. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at LGECCU.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps it $5 minimum balance required. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.